All right, Josh. Well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So just a little bit of insight. Before the Rental Journal podcast was even a thing, we, we were actually doing written interviews and we were sending out invites to people to, to answer some questions that we could post on our website, which was literally a startup. Like there was, we had no content and Josh was one of the very first people that filled out our answers to these questions. So he's almost part of the foundation club to the rental journal before it was even a podcast. So we thought it just makes sense to bring him onto the podcast and give him his true rundown of, of who is Josh Nickel rather than just relying on the original questions from, from almost two years ago. So really appreciate you having you on the, on the podcast, Josh. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so funny because until you brought that up, I had forgotten that we did that uh, so long ago. But now that I know there's a foundation club, I, I'd like a patch or something, <laughs> right. you know, some sort yep. of certificate that that I'm in that club, you know, because uh, I, I like those awards. So that'd be fun. But no, it was it was a pleasure. I could I could see the passion even back then in talking about the rental industry that you had. And it, it's something that I feel as well. You know, obviously, I like to talk. And so you gave me an opportunity to talk and, um, you know, shared your passion with me. And so I was excited to, to see where you took things. And obviously, what, you know, nearly 100 or is it over 100 podcasts in? 78, um, 78. 78. So it's obviously going super well. So congrats to you as well. Yeah, thank you very much. So to start off with, can we learn how and when Josh Nickel first got involved in the equipment rental industry? Sure. So, you know, my grandfather uh, retired from General Electric and decided that he wanted to open his own business. And he was deciding between a steak and ale franchise and a tail rental franchise. And for those of you not in the U.S., it's important to know that steak and ales went out of business and they don't exist anymore. So luckily, he chose the Taylor Rental franchise, which is now part of True Value, which is still a very large company and very large in the rental and hardware industry. Um, he did that, was very successful. My dad joined him, his son-in-law in that business. So my dad was in rental. My grandfather was in rental. I swore up and down I was not going to be in rental. And here I am on your rental podcast. Um, turns out I really love the industry. When I was in college, uh, I went to a school that, that had co-ops, which is kind of like internships. You go to school half the year and you intern half of the year. And, and I almost call it like speed dating for work. Because at the time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had actually gone to school as a music major originally. Um, turned out I was really good at that, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't have a passion for it. And found out that I really enjoyed business. And so I was doing these internships and tried working for a really large company and then tried working for a really small company. And it was, it was a lunch with the owner of the small company that really kind of changed my career trajectory um, because he said, you know, um, he, he did insurance um, and he said, you know, I could sell insurance. Uh, I could sell hot dogs. I could run equipment. I just like working in a business and growing a business into something bigger than what it is now. And, you know, I just need a good product to do that. And, you know, it was from that that I kind of thought, you know, that's, that makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, I'd be able to fix anything. I'm not a great mechanic, but I could probably hire mechanics and, and find people who are passionate about that work and bring them together and build teams around that. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to be a contractor myself to be in the rental industry. And so it wasn't long after that. My dad had never pressured me to be in the industry that I called him up and said, maybe we should give this a shot, you know, and, and he started me out in service and I am terrible at that. 
Uh, so you don't want me in your service department, but I worked my way up from service into different roles. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Here I am. I'm obviously definitely in the rental industry. Wow. So how excited was your family that you wanted to become involved in the, in the business? You know, I think I've never really asked my dad that question, but I think he probably was pretty excited. Uh, he had a similar trajectory. He actually went to school to be a dentist. Um, he was three months from being Dr. Nickel and decided that he really didn't enjoy his career path at all, called his brand new father-in-law and said, can I work, to, work with you at the rental business? So he understood needing to kind of find your way there and your path. And so I think like me, he wanted to give me the option, but also not the requirement of being there. Mm. And then it just turned out, you know, I'm an only child. Um, it turned out once we got to work together that we worked super well together, you know, not, and that doesn't happen in all family businesses. Uh, but I really enjoyed the time uh, working alongside my dad. We have very different strengths, but we see the world very similarly. And so we were able to bounce that off of each other. And he was a great mentor for many years and then really great at turning over the reins when that made sense as well. Um, and so it was really, really enjoyable time in my career. So, so what was the name of the company? What was the type of equipment they were renting out and where were they based? The name of the company was originally Nickel Equipment Rental and Sales, but we shortened that to Nickel Rental over the years because we didn't really do any sales. Hey, Rental Journal podcast listeners. Did you know that most salespeople spend less than 50% of their time actually selling? Arrow lives at the intersection of your systems you use most. So you can replace the many with one just simple, powerful tool. Generate, manage, and close deals inside Arrow. Manage inventory and send quotes in just three clicks. Not only is Arrow a sales tool, but it's also a growth tool. Run marketing campaigns right out of Arrow to your ad and social accounts, text and share products with customers directly, and get text responses in Arrow chat. Best of all, no data entry. Finally, a powerful way to close deals from anywhere. Unlock your growth with Arrow, the tool built for the heavy equipment industry to generate, manage, and close big deals in a simple, powerful way. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, but be sure to shoot Arrow a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to learn more. It was based in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. And then we had four locations by the time we were acquired by Sunbelt Rentals in 2018. Okay. And so over that period of time, you said you started as a mechanic, like what were some of your roles that you had over your career then? Like, how did you get out of the business eventually? And how did you just sort of grow into who you are today? Yeah. So I want to be really careful using the word mechanic, because I think that we would offend mechanics uh, by using that terminology. Um, I was a wash guy. So I was very good at washing and greasing equipment because you really can't screw that up. Occasionally I could change filters um, but I don't think you would have ever used the word mechanic with me. Yeah. So I started there uh, washing equipment um, and then I moved up to kind of an inside sales role. Uh, did that for a little while, moved into a managerial role. I, I really, it felt, I felt like it was important for me to move my way up in the company rather than just take over. I didn't want the role out of nepotism. I wanted it because I was good at it. I understood it and I enjoyed it. And so then eventually I was a branch manager uh, that was probably around 2004 to 2006. I then kind of moved to more of an area manager role when the recession hit in the U.S. around 2009 and then ended up taking over the company in 2011, 2012. 
And that transition was, was really interesting because it was partially driven by the recession. My dad had to pull back so much during the recession in the US because he had to focus on paying the bills and finding out ways to renegotiate so that we could survive. And that, that, that forced him to take his eye off the day-to-day -day operations of the business, which allowed me to step in and do that. And so it was a very natural transition that once things started to improve again, he came back and I was handling it all, you know? Um, and so that worked out really well. Um, so fast forward then to uh, 2018, we were acquired by Sunbelt Rentals, uh, spent some time with Sunbelt. They were very kind to me um, and then had the opportunity to move overseas to work with Point of Rental out of their London office and manage their global operations. Uh, really enjoyed that experience working with other cultures and in rental software, um, which is a really unique industry and exciting and growing industry. And then moved back to the States and eventually joined uh, the American Rental Association. So I've been lucky to kind of be on all sides of the industry, whether it be actually working in the industry at a small or large company, working as an associate, what we call an associate member or vendor to the industry and technology, and then now kind of really supporting the industry in, in multiple facets. When I heard that you had joined the ARA, I was, I was so happy because I speak to a lot of people in the industry. You can imagine this with the podcast, the amount of networking that I do and just, just learning about people because I talk to probably three times the amount of people that don't even come on the podcast, just learning about who they are. And almost everyone I talk to, like you're like one of the most passionate and like kind people I think in the industry. Like you're something that I've noticed and it's like you might see as a negative, but I see it as a positive. Like you're always willing to help. Like you always want to like, help someone out and like give free advice or do whatever it is. And, and it's so funny because every time I talk to someone, I always say, Hey, let me introduce you to like these key people in the U S and I say your name and they almost always say, Oh, I know Josh nickel. And it's like, this guy's just helping everyone. So when you became part of the ARA, I thought like, that's like the perfect person to, to join the ARA to like give back to the industry. And even like to support that topic. I remember when we first met, I was, uh, I, we joined on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, we connected on LinkedIn and I was at the ARA show and I saw you standing at the point of rental booth. And then I walked around and then I just said, Hey, uh, I'm Mark Simonson. We connected on LinkedIn. And instead of sort of giving me a weird look and, and thinking, who's this weirdo walking up to me? Like you were just so nice. And you're just like, Oh, Hey, nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. And that's literally how we became connected. So yeah, when you, I was just, just to summarize again, like once you joined the ARA, I was very, very pleased and, and happy to hear where you had ended up. That is, that is so kind of you to say that. You know, it, it really is touching because I, I, being involved in the associate, association and industry for so long, it's, it's done so much for my family and it's such a community. And, you know, I, I almost say I get to work with friends and support mm -hmm. friends as, as part of the association. That's what it does is it supports its membership and makes sure that they're successful. Um, and so that is, you know, a super um, kind of passion project of mine. And I do remember when you walked over and I, I have to give you a little credit, too, because sometimes it's a little weird to walk over to your competitor and introduce yourself and, and try and have a, a real conversation, which you, you were so genuine in that conversation, which really impressed me as well and made for that great two-way conversation. And I think that that's something that, you know, sometimes is unique in this industry, you know, whether you're both a rental company that competes with another rental company or uh, vendors that compete, you know, you compete Monday through Friday and then your friends on the weekends, you might know each other's families and go out for dinner. And that is just 
such a cool thing to be a part of and support and grow. There's enough opportunity in this industry for everybody. And so how do we take advantage of that is, you know, kind of where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So talk to me about how you became involved with the American Rental Association. So it goes back a number of years. On some level, I feel like I've always been involved with the association. I tried to find pictures from when I was a kid at ARA events, and I, and I couldn't find any of those, unfortunately. But it's something that my family's always been very supportive of and involved in. And my dad was some sort of leadership at the ARA of Florida. I want to say vice president or president for a period of time. He was very active in Atlanta when we moved up to Atlanta. And so it was something that we did, you know, being part of your, your industry and association and helping to advance it's an important thing. And so I remember you know, attending as soon as I graduated college, all of the local state events and, and the ARA show. It wasn't until the late 2000s that I really got involved on a volunteer level. And a guy named Jeff Lignagaris from Northside Tool Rental took me out for tacos in Atlanta one day and uh, was thinking about uh, taking the reins of the area of Georgia and wanting to try some new things, implement some new technology and wanted to see if I would support him in doing that. And I felt too young and not ready, but he assured me that, that I wasn't and that we could make an impact. And so I was like, you know, why not? And so we got together and did it and it was super exciting. He, you know, he was a great mentor and leader. We won uh, multiple association awards for growth and use of technology. Back in, I wanna say it was 2009 or 2010, we were already doing remote live broadcasts for state meetings because not everybody could make it all the way up to Atlanta in Georgia. And you know, it's a commonplace now with Zoom and it's pretty easy. It was a lot of work, unfortunately, back then. But you know, he, he was instrumental in getting me involved there. From there, uh, I got the opportunity to be on some committees and serve on some national uh, task force uh, like the ARA show one or when we did some rebranding at ARA. And it just, it was always so fulfilling. And you know, I, I was able to give back to the industry, but you learn so much in these volunteer positions. It's, it's really kind of fascinating. You, you often get back more than you give, which sounds like something that you would say if you're an association staff member, but really is true. I mean, I couldn't give enough of my time because it was just so rewarding and, and such a great return on investment, honestly. You know, so for, from there, it really just made sense one day to, to end up at ARA and end up on staff. You know, I joked around with Tony, uh, the CEO at ARA at one point, he was like, I would do this work for free. You know, it's just, it's great work. It's meaningful work. You know, we have to make a living that's important, but it is so cool to make an impact. So it's, it's really neat to be able to be on staff and on the other side of that and, and truly daily working on things that help influence and improve the industry. Mm. And then Tony was like, this is really going to help our P&L. We're going to get Josh Nickel for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, um, even as just a consultant, he, he, he would not take me for free. And uh, so things worked out there. But um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's funny. So, so what's your role today at the ARA? So my role uh, is a new title in the last uh, about a year and a half now. It's called Vice President of the Equipment Segment. I have a counterpart who's vice president of the event segment. One of the things that, that Tony and the board realized as we watched the last couple of years unfold, particularly 2020, is that the event segment and equipment segment are really becoming two very different businesses. Not that we don't have some members who are very successful doing both, 
But in a lot of cases, it's, it's not the rental store of the 50s uh, where you go into the same place to get your wedding candelabra and your skid steer loader. It, it's, a, it's an industry that has a, a fair divide between the two. I mean, in the equipment rental industry, it takes a ton of money to get started. There's huge barriers to entry, and it's an industry that is scaling very, very quickly and consolidating. The event industry, you know, technically you can get into with $5,000 in a garage and start running balloon bounces and a couple tables and chairs. And so the needs of those industries are very different. And that was really highlighted in 2020 when you saw the equipment industry first survive, then thrive. And you saw the events industry really have to scramble and be creative to survive and struggle in very different ways. And so our roles were created to help better focus on the two different segments of the industry so that we could target our products, our services, our supports, the needs to the pain points of those different groups. Not that there's not a lot of overlap and a lot of stuff that we can share between the two, but that we're really targeting the needs of those, those industries as they evolve, we need to evolve with them. Mm. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And it's great that the ARAs putting effort in to like have laser focus to help those particular sectors as well. So, so it'll be, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested just to know what a normal day would look like then. So, so like, what does, uh, for someone that's focusing on the equipment segment, like what does it mean to be the vice president? And what are you doing during the day, the week, the month? Yeah, I, I always dread that question because it is such a complicated question to answer. Um, there's a similar role at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers um, and they would describe it is, as their job is to know people and know things and bring them together. So on some days, I'm certainly a connector, but it goes beyond that a lot. You know, some days I'm an ambassador for the industry like, uh, today on your podcast. You know, next week, we have the equipment uh, special interest group, which is kind of like a steering committee or a small group that helps us decide how and what to work on and some of our strategic thinking for the next year. Um, some days I'm writing articles for Rental Management Magazine. Other days I'm reviewing education. And a lot of days I'm talking to members. You know, Sometimes they're, they're great, easy conversations about how to improve their business and exciting new things that, that are happening. And others, like I was talking to a member today that was even thinking about closing uh, their business and kind of trying to help them through the process of deciding strategically, where can I go? And luckily in this case, it sounds like there's some good opportunities and, and it was maybe just a bad day or a bad season for them, but spending a lot of time with members and then using that information to connect back to the products and services that we build, the supports that we build into the industry and into the association so that everybody can be more successful. And then some days it's also working with the other related associations so that we're making decisions together. You know, particularly the, what I would call the equipment square, um, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, uh, Associated Equipment Distributors and Association of Equipment Management Professionals. You know, we all have to work together to make great decisions for contractors and make this really effective and efficient as an industry, especially as rental becomes more of a portion of the job site you know, there are standards that we need to set together. Um, so the, the problem with that answer is it's huge and it's long and it doesn't even perfectly describe what it is, but it's, you know, some days it's, I guess it's kind of sticking your finger in a lot of different pots and trying to influence and support and do the best you can to, to make something great for members. I think it's amazing that ARA is invested in these type of roles because like if you looked at it from a P&L standpoint and looking at profitability, you'd be like, well, how do we find an ROI on this new role? But you can clearly see like members would love to see that there's someone that's actually worked in the industry for a number of years, 
he's keen to to help and to provide and influence and and give direction as well. So yeah, I do commend the ARA for for putting money forward to investing in these type of roles as well, not just having roles based around advertising and, and things like that. Without a doubt. So let's talk about some of the stuff that the area is working on. Because I went on the website and I saw a whole range of things. Um, but maybe let's start around uh, education. So, so what's the ARA doing in education? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, it's, it's always a good topic to talk about because we do do a lot of things. Um, and sometimes that means there's a lot of noise, um, which, again, is where that segmentation becomes really valuable. On the equipment side, we've got some really exciting education products coming out this year. We've got our first real launch in the certifications. Um, we've got a equipment sales certification and an equipment service certification that's coming out this year. Those are really exciting because it helps new people get into the industry. You know, we talk about workforce, I'm sure it'll come up again, um, but you've got to develop those people and get them really engaged at the beginning. And that's hard, especially for small and medium-sized companies. And so we've created this great curriculum with knowledge checks and interactivity throughout that helps that new person in the first couple of years of their career really get engaged in what they do and see the career path in what they do. The other uh, certification that we're launching, and these are all kind of an under umbrella called ARA certified, is a MUP certification. So mobile elevated work platform. Some of us know it as AWP, uh, but we call it MUP certification. And it is to make sure that all of our rental store employees who interact with lifts are able to safely operate those lifts and inspect those lifts so that our customers can be as safe as possible. Uh, this year we'll be doing, going around the country, myself and a couple other people, uh, training people to be trainers on that so that the rental stores will be able to train their own employees. And then eventually we'll extend that to contractors so that they can train their contractors on this industry standard. What's nice about this is, you know, there are other trainings out there in this particular classification, but this one will be an industry standard. And the first half of the day is done completely online in interactive format. So it's not something that, you know, somebody from the rental company staff has to stand up there and present for four hours in a day, whether through a presentation or reading from a book. It's a true online program that once they do all those knowledge checks, then they just come back for the practical. So it's an improvement in efficiency. It's an improvement in engagement and simplicity and, and something that I think will be really beneficial because we did a lot of MUP certification at uh, Nickel Rental. And I think a lot of companies need that and use that. Uh, but there hasn't been that industry standard for that mm. yet. And the simplification of the process in the way that we're launching this year. And something that caught my attention on the website, uh, and I don't know much about it, so it'd be great for you to explain it, is um, the rental analytics side. So like, what, what is that? Yeah, that's a great question. So Rentalytics is, is a fancy marketing name for rental analytics, and it's us diving into market analysis. You know, we talked about how the equipment industry is uh, really consolidating. And as it consolidates and as it grows, the desire and need and effectiveness of better data analytics in the industry becomes more and more important. So more and more of our membership is really asking us to double down in that category. And so Renalytics is the tool that we use to do that. It helps you with forecasting. You can get you know, really, really inexpensive um, quarterly updates for your local areas all the way down to the MSA or countrywide. The other thing that's interesting about that, about that particular product is we found a lot of interest from our international members. Now, we do have an international membership because a lot of people come in for the ARA show or to do other things that we offer. 
And, you know, I was, I was a little taken aback the first time that I talked to some international members about Renalytics, because it is focused on North America for all of our Canadian members and U.S. members. But they actually use that as a gauge to help understand where their countries are going to go and where their markets are going to go. The U.S. is, and, the, and North America as a whole, is obviously the largest rental market in the world currently. And so for them, it's a gauge of how do we think our markets are gonna react in these different scenarios and where do we think our markets are gonna go? And so it's kind of neat to see other countries and other rental companies elsewhere outside of North America using our analytics to make uh, more accurate predictions on what their countries are gonna do. Mm. Talking about predictions. So I had someone on the podcast, he's, his name's Stephen Donnelly. He's one of the icons in Australia. He was part of National Hire, which then sold on to, to Coates. And he was talking about, traveling to the US in, I think it was the early 80s, maybe the late 70s, I think, I think early 80s. And he would, he would say he would come from Australia and like rental was still developing at that point in time. He had a few organizations and you'd go to the US and you would see like these sea of yards of equipment, like all these different types of equipment and it would and just be huge. And one of the things that he saw, I think in the late early 90s, I think it was, he said, was he saw that the, there was these platforms, these scissor lifts, and they weren't in Australia at that point in time. Maybe it was the late 80s. I can't remember the exact time frame, but he, he mentioned it wasn't there. And he, he thought, well, if, the, if it's growing in the US and it's booming in the US, it's going to eventually come to Australia. And I think that's a great example of, of looking and listening and figuring out what another market is doing. Because now look at, look at uh, the, the aerial industry or the scissor lifts, um, yeah. the boom lifts and scissor lifts and all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's huge. It's probably one of the most, it's almost like a generalist now. It is really fascinating how much we can learn from other countries and how they do business and how they do rental. You know, uh, one of the things that I think of when you say that is actually the opposite direction. I believe all the mini skids came from Australia first. The dingoes and kangas first came over. And now that's a huge market for a lot of rental companies in the U.S. And even our focus on certifications and MUPs, you know, in, in Europe, it is much more common that if you're an operator, you need some sort of license and certification. And so I think we're going to see that kind of methodology come over here because you want your customers to be as safe as possible on the equipment. Some of this equipment is difficult to use and dangerous, and it's not getting easier to use. So having that kind of certification body is an important thing to do. So we all learn from each other. And so I think it's valuable to all watch what we're all doing and allows us to skip some steps, right? Mm, definitely. And you mentioned workforce just before. So what is the ARA doing in, in the workforce side of things? So right now, if you were to ask a member what their biggest problems are, it would be a real toss up between equipment availability and workforce, finding good people and keeping good people. Um, you know, equipment availability will fix itself eventually, manufacturers will catch up, supply chains will catch up, uh, but workforce is a totally different animal. I mean, really many industries are dealing with workforce issues. You know, they, they call it the great re uh, resignation now. But beyond that, we've always been dealing with, for at least a number of years, the, the shortage of technicians and mechanics and drivers, skilled tradespeople. And, and that's not going to get any better anytime soon. And so for our membership, we're doing as much as we can to try and influence that, to make sure that, rent, that people outside of the industry know that rental is a great career, that there are career opportunities in rental. We've got uh, student memberships that launched over the last year so that people in technical schools can actually become ARA members for free and start get some, get some of our training so that they can learn more about the industry and learn some of the, the certifications and things that are offered so that they can see the career paths. 
Uh, we've got a young professionals network and women in rental and diversity things that we're trying to do so that, that we can pull more people into the industry and so they can see themselves as part of our industry. And then the other thing that's, that's really probably newer over the last year is our job listing service. You know, one of the things that's hard for a lot of companies and can be very expensive, especially if you're doing it on a small scale, is to try and get your job listed in all of the right places. You know, there are so many niche job boards out there, like military.com, for example. The military is a great place to recruit for equipment rental companies. Uh, but to get your job in all the right places is complicated. And so we've actually been able to consolidate that so that you can list on the ARA job board. And when you do that, it automatically pushes it out to all those other job boards for you. And what's interesting is it's actually cheaper to post it on our board, which for members right now, you get five free. But even if you were to pay for it, it'd be cheaper to do it through our job board than to try and do it yourself to military.com. And you get that simplification of not having to post it everywhere all at once. We do all that kind of hard work and homework for you, um, which is pretty neat. In addition to our internal job board where we're pushing technical schools, we're doing a lot of spending on AdWords. And so we're pushing people to that, but really you're getting all these job boards at once, which is a pretty neat solution that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree on that. And I saw on the website that there was sponsorships as well that the ARA is doing as well um, for certain for certain roles and and, and links within um, for people? Yeah, I think you're talking about the foundation scholarships. That's correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, we have a great foundation um, and we offer a significant amount of scholarships. I wish I could remember the number off the top of my head right now. It's not, it's not a billion dollars, it's less than that, but it is, it is a good amount of money. And um, it's for anybody who either works in the rental industry or um, is related to somebody, directly related to somebody who owns a rental company or is a member. I've had multiple people use the scholarship. Um, one of them used it to help get their MBA over a couple of years. Um, it, it works for trade schools and technical schools as well, and many other types of upskilling, um, even some types of mechanic schools that aren't full-on trade schools. And so it's a really cool thing to try and, again, advance your career in rental, because we have so many great careers and career paths, and they can be really good paying career paths. And we just want to make sure that everybody has access to that career development. And we do a lot of that through the foundation. Mm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's just, it's amazing to hear that there's so much going on and all that is focused on giving back to the industry. So yeah, I, I think people, sometimes they overlook associations and they think that they're just a body that's there. Uh, but it, yeah, the ARA truly is like, giving back to the industry and trying to grow the industry and, and bring everyone up. And yeah, that's awesome to hear. Absolutely. All right. And so lastly around the ARA, so like what, when's the next big show that's happening? So I'm, I'm really excited about the ARA show in 2023. It is um, our favorite location in Orlando. It's usually our biggest event and I expect this to be potentially the largest event that we've ever had. I know that people are itching to get back together. Um, you're definitely going to be needing to do some ordering in 2023 as the industry continues to grow. And so it's going to be a great time for education and getting back together after being a little while since we've seen each other in person. Yeah, well, I can contest to uh, the Orlando one. When I went over there for, I think it was a couple of years ago, maybe th three years ago, I was in Orlando and my wife came with me and yeah, she went to all, all the theme parks while I was at the at the uh, the show. So I think partners are also super keen to go to Orlando as well with kids and stuff. I absolutely agree. It's it's a great destination for so many reasons. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, if you could give some advice to someone that's new to the industry, what would you say to them? You know, on some level, the advice that I would give to somebody who is new is the same I would give to somebody from any industry. You know, it's pursue things that you're passionate about. Um, find the intersection of what you're great at and passionate about and do more of that and, and you'll be successful. The way that I would relate that back to our industry is it's a little bit unique. Um, there's a lot of industries out there that are really well established and there's even some industries out there that are either stagnating or shrinking, like say the newspaper industry. The rental industry is the opposite of that. It is a growing burgeoning industry that we expect to grow for many years to come. It's part of the sharing economy, the circular economy. It's, it's more sustainable than ownership. There are so many cool things that are tailwinds for this industry that you can choose any career in the industry. You can be a marketer, you can be a salesperson, you can be a mechanic, but you know, not only that, you're in an industry that, that has the supports and growth that you'll be able to grow. You know, it's hard to grow in an industry where there's high competition and it's, it's a very established industry. But when they're constantly begging for new people and that new roles are being created because all of the companies in the industry are growing, it makes that upward mobility, the career mobility, so easy um, and so effective. And so if you're in the industry, you have the experience of the industry and you have that special skill set that you're really passionate about, it just opens up a world of opportunity. So I would say, you know, get into an industry like rental um, that is a growing industry and then focus on the things that you're passionate about and, and double down on those. And it's hard not to be successful. It's crazy how much passion and motivation can, can drive someone to success, I guess, if you put it like that. But I think people, you can almost feel the energy from people when, they, when they're passionate about something and they care. I think that's probably the right word. Care about what you do. When you care about what you do and you want to make a difference, people realize that and they'll give you the time of day. Customers know it as well. Like mm -hmm. it, it's there. It's like a vibe. It's like an unwritten rule, basically, I think, in there. Like if you care about what you do and you're passionate and you love it and you're motivated, like you are going to go somewhere. You just got to give it time. You can't do everything in one day or one week or one year. And what's interesting is you can tell, I mean, I know this is a little bit off topic, um, but when I do interviews with people, I certainly use a lot of the, the common questions and giving real life examples. But one of the other things that I really try and do in an interview with somebody is get them to talk about something that makes their eyes light up. If I can get them to talk about something in the interview that makes their eyes light up, I know what they're passionate about now. It may not be the right thing for the role but I wanna see them at their best. I don't want them just trying to give me the right answers or the best answers. I wanna see their eyes light up. I wanna see that passion. And if that passion aligns with the role, then I know I've got a home run. You know, I'm not trying to catch them in anything. I'm actually trying to get them to, to be comfortable enough to pull that out of them, which you know, it can be a little bit different of a tactic, uh, but has, has tended to do pretty well because then you get a bunch of passionate, engaged people and a lot of magic can happen. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. All right, we're going to be doing a new segment on the podcast called uh, Rapid Fire Questions. So we'll see right. how this goes. And the goal of this is to ask quick questions, get quick answers, and to learn a little bit more about who Josh Nickel is at the same time. 
That sounds great. But what listeners probably don't know is that you told me before, if this doesn't work out, you're canceling it. So the, <laughs> the whole success of these rapid fire questions rests on my answers right now. So that's a lot one, of my We best. have one chance. Like the next lot of interviews might not get this if you do not successfully answer these questions. So if you're listening to future podcasts and there's no rapid fire questions, I guess you'll know what happened, right? Exactly. Maybe we'll put it out in its own little segment, like the lost files of the Rental Channel podcast. I like All it. right. All right. Here we go. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, and then I grew up most of my life in a little south of Atlanta, Georgia. How do you start your day? Uh, I drink a whole cup of water um, because I'm usually dehydrated. And then uh, eventually I'll replace that whole cup of water with coffee. When are you the most productive? Ooh, that's interesting. I've been trying to research that lately. I think I'm most productive on creative tasks between probably 9 and 11 a.m. And then I am most focused on maybe analytical tasks later in the day. Who is your inspiration and why? Oh, I, you're going to make me pick one inspiration. If I only had to pick one, I think one that I would go with is Richard Branson, just because he embodies a lot of things that, that excite me, both being passionate, trying new things, being enthusiastic, being purpose-driven, and, and breaking molds. Uh, so if I had to pick one, I guess that's the one I'd pick, but I hate having only picked one, so I'm disappointed you made me do that, but it's okay. Uh, what book or podcast are you reading or listening to at the moment? I mean, are you talking about other than the Rental Journal podcast? Of, of course. I know that's a daily okay. thing, but yeah. I had, you know, I had to clarify. Um, I actually got this book uh, sent to me yesterday um, by a leadership development app called Bunch AI. It's called The Cold Start Problem, How to Start and Scale Network Effects by Andrew Chen. And so I am getting ready to start that and I've heard great things about it. It's talking about founding teams like LinkedIn and Zoom and Dropbox and how they do that. And, and while I'm not in a tech company, the association world is very different. I think there's always things that you can borrow from other industries and then apply to your industry and skip some steps. Here's a tough one. What was the first machine you ever rented? Well, oh, I guess you mean, so you mean the first machine that I rented to somebody else? Yes, that's correct. I don't know, but I know that the first, uh, the first memory I have of working on a machine, and this is weird because I'm the equipment guy, is actually putting together gold candelabra when it was really cold and it was really not fun. So I assume we rented that afterwards. And I don't, I've never rented event stuff in my life other than when I was a tiny, tiny kid. But I do remember putting together candelabra, which is kind of a weird memory. I think that's, that's it for the rapid fire. I think you did quite a good job there. You uh, okay. answered them quickly. I think the only one you, you stumbled on was the inspiration one, but I have a feeling I mean, this is going to make it in the final cut. That's such a hard question though. I mean, it's like asking what's your purpose in life or, you know, something like that, but it's a great question. And I love hearing other people's answers to it. Um, but it's hard when you're the one who has to answer that question. Yeah, especially when I don't give you preparation for it as well. So yeah, on the floor. That is okay. That is okay. <laughs> All right. Finally, uh, a couple more questions outside of the rapid fire. So you don't have to answer these as quick. So who was someone that was a key mentor for you throughout your career? Oh, I've had, I've had some really great ones. You know, back when I was in high school, I had some great band directors 
And obviously I didn't end up being a musician, but they taught me a lot about uh, leadership. Uh, my dad has always been a really great mentor to me, you know, having worked alongside each other for many years and really supporting me and seeing the potential and giving me enough rope to hang myself sometimes and letting me make mistakes, letting me make chances, but always being there to support and, and help me learn from those things and grow from those things. Uh, I've got a coach named Bob Turknet, uh, who's been with me the last few years, um, who has been really awesome as we navigate things like selling companies and changing roles and, and learning how to become a better person, a better leader, more impactful. Yeah, I mean, just, it's so hard to, again, it's like winning an award and I feel like the red light flashing and I can't name all the right people, but uh, I, I think I would pause with, with those three. Very nice. And finally, how do you define success? It's another one of those really ethereal questions that we could probably spend hours answering. My, my simple answer to that is my mission statement in life is to lead people to greatness and empower them to do that for others. Lead because I feel like it's one of my core strengths. Um, greatness is purposely ambiguous because greatness varies per person, just like success varies per person. You know, my wife's greatness for her is impacting the next generation of students. It's very different than what it might be for somebody else. It could be to be a great mechanic or um, a great salesperson. I want to find out that thing that makes your eyes light up, that you're passionate about, and then help you to do that thing. And then empower that to do that, empower them to do that for others is the last part of that uh, statement, because I want them to you know, really have a ripple effect in that. So lead people to greatness and empower them to do it other, for others is, is what I would say is long-term success. Um, Short-term success, I like challenges. And so it's overcoming difficult things and figure out difficult problems. And then that leading into, you know, kind of that overall mission of how can I impact people and, and help them find their greatness and empower that in the process of, of overcoming those challenges. Very nice. All right, Josh, well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. It's been so great. Thank you so much, Mark. This podcast episode was brought to you by our premier partner, Ken Arts Hive. <laughs>